and then make, give them a reason to show up to your next event. You know, you, you have all these people who showed up, maybe 25, 30, 50 people. How do you get them to attend your next event instead of just having one event and then hopefully they buy it, you never see them again. Timing is a big part for people. And so I always try to make, give people a reason. This is a great event. You had a great time, but next event, right? Like you're even more, right? Or there's another reason to show up again. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, this is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because I am here with my most amazing guest, Alex. Alex, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Awesome. So give everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Yeah, my name's Alex Hitt. I'm an online entrepreneur. I do a lot of different things. I monetize in a couple of different ways, but I really focus on uh, hosting and running great online events for businesses. Nice. And an interesting uh, and challenging industry that is, but we'll get into that in a second. How did you get into the online business venture as your thing? Yeah, I mean, mine's kind of a COVID story. Before COVID, I was an international hotel manager, and I managed hotels in uh, the United States. And I had the opportunity to manage a international guest hostel in Japan, which was super, super cool. I did that for a year. Uh, I moved to Hawaii two months before COVID to work in hotels. And on my first day at the job, they called me. They said, don't come into work today. You're laid off because of COVID. So... I didn't qualify for unemployment because I quit my old job and I just moved to Hawaii, brand new $2,000 rent payment right there on the beach. And I had zero income. And so I became a hustler and an entrepreneur at that moment and uh, did a lot of different things. Kind of my first, um, you know, I was a delivery driver, food delivery. And then I realized, man, after about a year in Hawaii of no hotels opening back up, I said, I better look for something different because it doesn't seem like anything's changing here anytime soon. So I became a real estate agent and just really what else am I going to do is only job hiring because anybody can sign up to be one. So I put all the fees on a credit card and became one and thought, where am I going to get customers or where am I going to get clients or how am I going to sell a house? Um, and I, I had done social media for the hotels that I worked at, but I never had done it myself. I never wanted to be in front of the camera personally, but I, I got to the point where I said, you know, what the hell do I have to lose? You know, I have to essentially. So I started posting on social media and I actually ended up selling three houses for about a million dollars a piece, sold over $3 million in real estate my first year as a realtor, all through social media with complete strangers and never paid for an ad. I did, I always say, you know, I didn't, I wasn't living paycheck to paycheck at the time. I was credit card to credit card at the time. And um, yeah, so then after that, after I sold those houses, I started kind of telling my story online and through some online events. And people were like, wow, that's amazing. You know, I'm a real estate agent. I'm not making any sales through social media. Can you help me? Can you teach me? And so I started helping, you know, this people, you know, this, and then started growing. I created a business and actually grew my online coaching, social media coaching business larger than the real estate business. Wow. Yeah. So 2022, I kind of jumped full-time into online entrepreneurship, really around social media. And then 2023 was kind of the progression of all of that into what I'm doing now, which is the online events. Wow. That is fantastic. And we will get into that whole entrepreneurial journey and the the ups and downs of it at the end. But for now, I want to pick out the kind of your ability to be able to look at people are asking me for this thing. How do I go then and monetize it? Which I think a lot of people have um, 
started to realize that that's kind of the way to build a business. But with you, was there something about the organicness of that, if you want to put it that way, that that led you to the the coaching and the doing the online business side of things? So, I mean, I get that they were going, how do you do that? But what made you decide, hey, I can actually like this is fun. I want to do it. Um, a couple of things. I got introduced to online business and networking as a real estate agent. And a lot of people may not be familiar with the space, but if you're familiar with something like BNI, Business Networking International, it's kind of an in-person thing. But when COVID happened, all of these business networking groups went online. Right. And so I was introduced to one of these groups. They said, hey, this might be an opportunity for you to find clients. I said, cool. So I jumped into it and I really liked doing the online business networking thing because it's a lot like working in hotels. Meet, greet, how you doing, where you're from how can I help type of thing? And I was trying to sell, you know, essentially million dollar houses in Hawaii through online business networking. And it was the, it was not a good product because if <laughs> someone's showing up to an online business networking meeting, they're showing up to sell a product, not mm -hmm. to buy a million dollar house in Hawaii. But I said, wow, I love doing this. I really like meeting all these people. Like I said, cause it's like you're working at a hotel, but I don't have a product that's affordable. I don't have a product that can help everybody in the room here that could really, you know, help them make more money because that's why everyone's in the call. And so that kind of, and then I was, I heard a lot of what other people were doing. So for pretty much all of 2021, I, as I was a realtor, I was posting things on social media. I was also attending these online networking events and I was hearing how other people formed their online business and what they were doing. And um, I said, okay, I could do that too. You know, and I found out how to take payments through Teachable and how to make a course and, you know, just one little piece at a time. And I started selling the membership, my membership for $10 a month, for $10 a month, just to get people in the door and, and kind of practice. And then they had great experiences. And then it had that networking effect, right? Nice. Alex is providing a, a great service. And I, I came up with a pretty ingenious way of coaching on social mm -hmm. media too, where I'm able to join Zoom from my phone and highlight things on a phone screen in real time so people can follow along. Good. And that like blew people's minds. Um, and then I just started slowly increasing the price of the membership. You know, it was $10 and then it was 49 and people still paid it. And then it was a hundred and people still paid it. And I was like, wow, let me do 200 and people still paid it. Um, and then I also had the community because it was kind of a community coaching approach where people would come in and they, wow, this, you know, to be a part of this community is worth a lot more than just when I was selling it for 10 bucks. Right. So um, it was kind of just like incremental brick by brick, piece by piece, pulling it all together. And it wasn't right away. I mean, it's kind of a whole year of doing online business networking where I made zero dollars, zero but I made money through, you know, the real estate business through social media, but nice. yeah, it, took a, it took a while to figure out. It definitely wasn't an overnight success. That is commitment. So now who do you serve and support? Who would you say is your ideal client or whose majority of people would come to you? Yeah. So two, two things. I do have a lot of free events for mm -hmm. online entrepreneurs, startups, small business owners, you know, um, social media creators. I have a lot of free events for them. And that's kind of like my lead magnet. We have networking events, affiliate marketing, you know, workshops, stuff like that. But the service that I provide is I help businesses launch their own online events. So my ideal client is a, is a business that sells a product over $5,000, a high ticket coach, an agency, um, uh, a financial advisor. Um, and then we help them create, promote, uh, manage, um, and follow up for their online event. So we actually get, you know, a lot of times people want to host an online event, but they say, how do I get people to it? So we help with that very acute problem. And then all the other aspects of the management and hosting that go around it. So, right. so what would you say is some of the biggest issues that people have or 
the problems that they make for themselves is probably more accurate. My question when it comes to doing online events, like they say they can't fill the events, but what are they doing that stops them from being successful at it? Um, they don't know the channels on where to promote the event. Where are the people who are willing to promote an event or go to your event on a Wednesday at 12 PM when people should be at work, right? How do you find the people who are actually going to show up to that meeting, right? Um, so planning and understanding who's going to be in the audience, when will they attend and where are they willing to sign up for an event? Second is promotion. A lot of people want to do an event and then they don't tell anybody about it. Or they say, I'm going to host an event next week. That's not enough time. You got to give people time to put it in their schedule, to prepare for it, to promote it. Um, and then make give them a reason to show up to your next event. You know, you you have all these people who showed up, maybe 25, 30, 50 people. How do you get them to attend your next event instead of just having one event and then hopefully they buy it, you never see them again. Timing is a big part for people. And so I always try to make, give people a reason. This is a great event. You had a great time, but next event, right? Like you're even more, right? Or there's another reason to show up again. So like just doing your dry sales pitch, are people going to show up next week to hear your dry sales pitch again? Probably not. So you got to be a little bit creative on how the events run to get people to keep coming back. Nice. I love it. Well, and I've noticed that kind of the networking event is prelude to the, the webinars and the contacts. Has that become kind of the in way of promoting somebody's events and things? And if so, why? If not, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, totally. The The online business networking events where people can come and meet a lot of people in a pretty short period of time online, they don't have to leave their house are really popular. They, they draw a lot. They draw a lot. So I do use those as kind of, like I said, it's kind of a lead capture or a lead magnet. Hey, come to this event. And when you come to that, you're going to learn about my other events, right? Which might be a little bit more of a sales pitch or might have a little bit more of a structure um, that aren't, you know, yeah, like a, a traditional networking event. So there's definitely an art to that. What kind of things are you training people on how to do in order to create their own um, avenues in there? In that, in that arena. Yeah. One of it is how to host the meeting, how to be a great host. A lot of people, they'll have their, their online webinar, their online sales presentation, and they, you know, it's 60 minutes long and they wait till minute 59 to ask for any feedback or for people to participate or to tell people about their offer. You know, I talked to a, another gentleman who runs online events. He says, you know, you should connect before you do your content. So it's always, Hey, who's in the room? And who is in the room is a really important part to how that meeting flows. Because if you have people from all different, you know, if you're talking to too many different audiences, it's not going to be very effective. So one, doing the right marketing so the right people get in the room so you can have a, a productive conversation for everybody who's there, right? And then getting audience participation, not, um, I would say like 30 to 50% of the time should be there for the audience, for them to contribute. Because why do people show up to an online event to begin with? Why don't, why don't they just watch a YouTube video? Well, it's so they can talk. It's so they can say something. So they can participate and interact with the host. And there's that interaction element to it. And a lot of people, they just don't focus on the interaction or they're not comfortable. They think, how am I going to get people to interact in a way that's productive to my goals of the meeting? You know, so they're not self-promoting or they're not selling their own products in your meeting, right? That's, that's another important thing. So <laughs> a lot of it is around how do you engage with the audience? How do you pace the meeting? And um, yeah. Nice. And so when you're doing your things, you're going through things like crowd control. And, uh, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Cause there, there is a real finesse to being able to 
going to go from doing a live event to doing a digital event because there there is technology involved. There are aspects of it that people aren't kind of aware of. Are those things that you work with people on or do you, is it a done for you service that you do? How do you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 95% of the time we're using Zoom. Mm -hmm. There are some intricacies to Zoom. It's pretty easy to use. And that's why I like it because everyone's familiar with it. You don't have to go download or create a new account. Most people have Zoom on their computer and on their phone. And then, yes, we help with the crowd control. You know, sometimes there's interruptions. You got to mute people. You got to do, you know, so we help with the technical aspect, the crowd management, you know, putting the links in the chat and all that stuff. Um, yeah, we do help with that. Nice. I mean, even though Zoom is easy, when you're going to look for, you know, a slide that you want to hit next on, and then all of a sudden somebody's dog starts barking, like, okay, too many things at once, just you know, let me hone in on the thing that I do right and well. And a lot of people just kind of don't have the wherewithal to be able to divert their attention to multiple things at once without kind of losing it and going, okay, I'm just going to stop. <laughs> it's like, no, and no. There's, an, there's another element or pressure to an online event too, because people yeah. could just leave. You know, if you're in an no. in-person event and there's an audience, you know, full of people, if, if no. you're having some technical difficulties on stage and somebody just got up and walked out of the room, people would be like, that guy's a jerk. But on Zoom, they just leave and nobody knows. And so you really have to make sure you're kind of filling the dead air, that things go um, pretty smoothly because mm -hmm. people can just in one second, hey, uh, this is boring or I'm disengaged or, oh, I got another tab open. I'm going to go over there, yeah. right? And watch that. So yeah, that crowd control and the managing the technical issues, hugely well, and, important part. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even the, the chat being able to either stop the chat or to encourage a chat, but encourage it in a way that's um, working towards what you're trying to achieve in the room and not away from it. And that can be two full-time jobs too. I mean, it, I have never had the wherewithal <laughs> to be my own tech and do my webinars at the same time, unless I know it's going to be a really small audience and I can just open it up like this. Like I don't need <laughs> obviously tech support right now. I mean, I probably could use it, but <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but so I feel for people that go, oh, I'll just do it on my own. It's like, no, don't do it on your own. Don't. It's yeah, it's way too much like work. Yeah. Especially when you're getting these meetings of 100, 200, 500 people. And you know, I've had a meeting with 250 people on it. And there's so many different things going on. There's people coming and going, raising their hand, unmute, you know, all of a sudden they unmute themselves. And so absolutely having other people to support you, especially yeah. if you're having a larger call, totally necessary. Yeah. And I think too, that in the online realm, I mean, you can all of a sudden start off and all of a sudden have 250 people in a room. It, it's not, you start and you start with two people and then you go to four and then you go to eight. It doesn't work that way necessarily, especially when you do it right. Yeah. So in, and I'm assuming there's that you've worked with people that had a couple of panic attacks while they're going through this. Any kind of fun ones that you can not outing anybody, but just to kind of give people an idea of it's okay. You'll live through it. It happens. Um, yeah. I still get a little nervous sometimes when we have these really big events, 250 people and you know, it's you, right. right. And you got to manage it. And you hope your computer doesn't crash in the middle of it. And everybody, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of pressure that goes on to it. So having people to work with is is definitely important and having a host, you know, having a host who maybe doesn't have to understand all the conceptual and intricacies of the presentation. They can just focus on, you know, making sure everybody's having a good time, everyone's being engaged with, um, there's a certain energy in the room. Energy is an important part of an online event. Um, that can maybe help with the nerves. You know, I've done presentations with people that 
um, yeah, maybe didn't do their best for how they wanted to show up. But since I was able to kind of walk them through and prompt them on where they needed to go next, it made it um, more of like a Q&A, right, than being in the spotlight. Right. Nice. Well, and I assume, too, that people like attorneys or professionals going online isn't their acumen. They're not there to do a dog and pony show. And and that can kind of it can be hard to make it fun and interactive when it's serious and information that you want to, part, you know, um, distribute and make sure that people understand it. So how do you make those? Where do you find that fine line between making it fun, interesting, <laughs> making sure that people are getting what they need to get out of it? Yeah, I think it's it comes down to the pacing of it. If it's really dry content, yeah. interrupting, pausing, and, and get, you know, I almost say like, I try to TikTokify my presentations online. Like people, oh, people have really short attention spans. So if it's really dense, you know, chopping it up into 60 second digestible, you know, it doesn't have to be every 60 seconds you're stopping and asking for feedback. But how do you take that kind of in in um, in consideration, right? How do we break this up into smaller digestible segments if the content is dense or is boring? Yeah. Love it. So give us an example of a Cinderella story of one of your clients. So um, I worked with a guy named Justin Cunningham. He's from New Zealand. He's a sales coach. And he was having a really hard time getting people at his events. And I said, hey, let's team up. Let's do a joint event. We're going to kind of combine products. I'm going to teach people TikTok and you're going to teach people sales. So we did a joint event. We had over a thousand people sign up. We had 150 people live and we sold uh, about $5,000 worth of products. And he was, we were selling a $500 product. Yeah. So now I try to go for a little bit higher ticket, but he was really impressed. And we had we, the product we sold was a two day workshop. And we did that three times together and made a good amount of money. And he, uh, yeah, we solved that problem for him. Nobody at his webinar. Yeah. yeah. And we, and we were able to kind of do a creative pricing structure too, where, you know, it wasn't necessarily had to pay me for the event, but we could find a way to work together. So, you know, it could be low cost for him. Nice. Well, it does beg the question. Do you still teach people how to do TikTok? <laughs> I do. I do do individual social media coaching, nice. but the event is a big part of, you know, what I tell social media creators to do. Yeah. is to have a high ticket product. And if you have a high ticket product, somebody might want to talk to you before they spend $5,000 with you, right? What? And so that can be that online event yeah. that you have that gives them that opportunity. And I say, have the online event other than an, a sales call, especially from a lead off of social media. Because if you maybe know me through social media, the online Zoom call or the online sales Zoom call is maybe a foreign concept. And for them, for, for a customer or cold customer online, that's a pretty high pressure situation for them too, right. right? You say, hey, do you want to hop, you know, somebody that sees me off TikTok, hey, do you want to hop on a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call? I'm like, no. no. <laughs> what do you What do you mean? No, Why do you want to FaceTime me? me? I don't want to tell you what I yeah. need. I don't want to tell you what my budget is. Yeah, everybody right. goes through the exact same thing. Yeah. Instead, it's, hey, I have this weekly online event. Come if you have time. And if they come and then they hear your price and it's five thousand dollars, well then they you don't have to have that kind of that awkward interaction of like, oh. you know, they can just leave, right? <laughs> but other people who are interested, they'll raise their and hand go, and they'll why say, Why are they doing that? Why are they spending five yeah. grand on it? Tell me more. Yeah. So I've had a lot more success selling through events yeah. than selling even one-on-one. -on -one. I, I find my conversion rate is higher through an event, um, depending on the event and, and the crowd size. Um because there isn't that pressure, but people can still hear your 30 minute long presentation, you know, without having to sit in a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call and 
you know, sit here and click through all the slides together, right? It's not <laughs> always an appropriate thing to do. Well, so what are some of the stumbling blocks that somebody might be having as they're listening to this going, oh my God, Alex, I need your help so bad. Mm, stumbling blocks would definitely be the content. You know, how do you promote the event? I'll kind of give it to people here. LinkedIn events, Facebook events, ad event. Um, I'm not sorry, ad event, uh, Eventbrite and Meetup. Those are kind of the biggest online event platforms. Um, and then just making sure you're inviting people, scheduling it far enough out. And then if you get a lot of people signed up for the event, congratulations, but then you have to have a really amazing presentation. Because if you have a lot of people there and you're bombing the presentation and you don't know how to structure that presentation, you might be hurting your credibility more than you know, enhancing it. So um, a lot of it though is the how to promote it, where to promote it, how to get people to it. And then what's the structure of it, right? And how do you keep people's attention for an hour? And how do you make it productive towards the goal that you're trying to get to? Whether it's having more people uh, buy your product or join your community or um, attend the next event, right? Love it. So I know our, our listeners have all of those <laughs> issues and more, um, and they're going to want to start the journey with you. How did they do that? Yeah, I would say come to one of my events, come check out one of my events. You can go to my website, which is obn.events, obn.events. That's the event management and marketing company. Or you can go to my website, alexhitt.com. And you'll see there's an opportunity there to sign up for online events as well. But yeah, I would say connect with me at one of my online events, kind of get a feel for it. And that's a great way to meet and connect with me instead of, you know, the scary one-on-one, -on -one, you know, Zoom call, <laughs> come right? Meeting with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come have a meeting with me. Exactly. That's awesome. So uh, we will, of course, have all of Alex's links in the show notes. Go ahead and scroll down, click on the links, go open them up in a new browser because we're not done yet. So Alex, you kind of, you... You laid it on the line, how you entered the entrepreneurial world, but I always like to know at what point in life did you know you're the crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? What was it that made you go, yeah, I could totally do this. Um, I've always, I've always felt like I'm an outsider. I've never, I'm kind of a contrarian, you know, if you're black, I'm white type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've always kind of saw myself as kind of outside, like, you know, I don't like authority. So the boss never really sat well with me. But I think like a lot of people, it was COVID that gave me the kick in the pants and put me against the wall to say, hey, you can't just go get a job at a hotel or Smoothie King or wherever, you know, you got to make something happen for yourself. Because I was in Waikiki Beach at the time. That's where I lived. Every single business was shut down. Waikiki was black. We would walk down Waikiki Beach and you wouldn't see a single person. Oh. And I was applying to all these online jobs and it just, it was like, Either I do something for myself and I embrace my entrepreneurialness and start hustling, or I don't know. I, I, I you know, I don't know what would have happened if I didn't. So wow. for me, it was just kind of like I maybe saw it in myself, but um, I was never in the position where I had to. And sometimes I need that. I have to do something in order to get it done. So yeah. <laughs> push you out of the plane and go, oh, okay. Apparently I get to find my air, my parachute now. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And how long did you stay in Waikiki for? Uh, I lived in, I lived on the island of Oahu for three and a half years. We lived in Waikiki for a year. And then we lived in a town called Kailua for two and a half years. And we nice. loved it. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. You have been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? No, I just hope to see you at an online event. Uh, I'd love for you to meet people in my community and we'd love to meet you too. So yeah, awesome. hope to see y'all soon. Thanks.
Love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Awesome. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show, share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.